listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Jeff. Uh, great to be uh, on another podcast with you. This indeed. is, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, always a fun uh, half hour. It is indeed. And, uh, you know, welcome to everyone listening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really stoked on our guest today because uh, we're going to be talking about something that isn't necessarily considered by every, you know, that manufacturers have... Uh, uh, depending on this on their scale and and uh, you know how international they are they may have a, a large marketing department there could be numerous people working there but they're not necessarily thinking about things the way that our guest does you know even yeah. if they're running a big a big kind of internal agency yeah most people don't even think about mustaches the way our guest does <laughs> this um, is true so yeah i mean let's uh, let's just get it going <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it's it's unfortunate that not everybody gets to see that we we get to see this luxurious mustache. <laughs> there's no, there's, and it's not a video podcast. No, so it's, not, it's not. But the the guest that we're going to introduce to you is uh, Kula's uh, director of operations, head of quality assurance, and uh, by far and away uh, the best mustache uh, in our organization. Probably best dressed. Too. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah it's a whole package. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, maybe we should just not do the show and just put out like some like model photos or something. Yeah, way. or uh, you know, record selection. Yeah. Also, this is all. Maybe it's all about a culture play here rather than work. <laughs> this is so often is. This is. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I don't know where no. we're going now. I don't either. But it's that's that's a. Welcome to the nature of a podcast introduction, where you try to be just a little off topic before you get on in. topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, this is what agency life is like. So <laughs> Something like just, that. It's a cast of characters. Well, let's uh, get on with it. Yeah. So Wade Jenny, Prue, right? Indeed. Isn't that his name? Wade Prue, Kula's director of operations and all things quality. Welcome to the Kula Ring, Wade. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a, a fun, different thing to do today. <laughs> Have, uh, well, it was until that introduction went completely off the rails. Yeah, no, you know. no, not <laughs> certainly not flushing the cheeks. Uh, <laughs> all right, today. Uh, well, look before we uh, dive into a conversation about you know uh, what what we might mean when we say a culture of quality um, within the the digital delivery of manufacturing marketing. Um, why don't we just maybe start with? Um, uh, learning a little bit more about Wade from uh, from the horse's mouth here that doesn't have to do maybe with a mustache. Wade, <laughs> tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, for, for for sure, um, I, I, I've been working in, in IT for for my entire life um, for the most part. Uh, I guess where where it really kind of got uh, quality driven as far as my career path goes is um, kind of the early 2010s. Uh, I started in uh, at BlackBerry uh, doing more kind of enterprise support leaning stuff and then kind of leaning more towards quality at the end of my tenure there. Uh, and then transitioned off to uh, work in doing um, oil and gas, which was very, very quality driven. So I'm um, looking at um, kind of interaction between um, software and then hardware running on oil and gas rigs uh, until I found myself um, employed with um, you happy fellows uh, in, I guess, 2016 now. Wow. It's been time, five years. Yeah, time flies. Five yeah. 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 Well, there you go. And uh, it is lovely to have you on the show. 
it's uh i'm excited <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about today's topic i think it's yeah. a really it's, uh so i guess let's just let's jump into it this notion of um i i i guess one thing I, I, I we don't want to beat up on our listeners too much or our listeners organizations too much so bear with us i guess folks just a little bit but one thing that we would say is that you know, manufacturers have an, a, a, an outstanding uh, amount of uh, focus on product quality um that is certainly i mean in some ways it almost goes without saying um and uh in a world where the marketing department is often spending more on technology than the IT department, um, uh, what our hope is for today is that today's guest can um, take us through uh, ways that we can bring that quality focus and emphasis to uh, the world of uh, marketing and marketing's IT uh, endeavors um, and really, if you will, level up to the level of quality that the organization might be seeing elsewhere. Absolutely. And, and you know, it really is the case that, you know, with so many marketing initiatives coming to life digitally these days, you know, it, it, it really requires having that lens of quality assurance on every part of the deliverable, you know, when, whether you're putting out a you know, a, a campaign or reviewing how uh, your analytics and KPIs are set up or, or launching a new digital platform, website, e-commerce store, what have you, you know, there quality assurance is, is something that is uh, well known in the software world, but not necessarily as well thought about or as frequently thought about in the uh, in the marketing world. Wouldn't you say, Wade? For, for sure. And I, I, I think you, you, you kind of picked something out there that, that kind of jumped out to me when I was thinking about this ahead of the podcast today is, is that, that you, you can have all of those very specific elements that, that someone can, can uh, look at the analytics around a campaign or, or look at how an asset behaves. And, and there, there's um, often so much more to be garnered by, by how all those pieces can come together and, and how they're represented to the customer. Um, especially when it's going to be different people kind of working on those various elements um, before that campaign's launched. Um, and then ideally after that campaign's launched as well, it's, it's, it's um, easy to look at it as like a, a, a collection of individual parts uh, that, that don't have kind of a, a cohesive structure kind of um, um, dr driving them the, the same way it's, it's delivered to the client. Um, so ha having that ability to kind of step back and see it from the uh, client's point of view, how they're all integrated together. Um, often brings kind of a, a whole new light to it, uh, both when kind of launching a new campaign or, or uh, monitoring it um, as it's already out in the wild. So what sorts of, um, you know, you you have opportunity to see an awful lot of, uh, of digital platforms, both the ones that we build and ones that are brought to us um, by uh, new clients and things like that. What sorts of things are you seeing and where where do you think most organizations need the most help? I, I find it's in that that back half of, of what I what I mentioned where um, they, they, they've got a an asset or a campaign that, that they really point to as their bread and butter um, uh, be, be it a, a calculator or, or a PDF that, that um, they really hold up as kind of the, the, uh, the definition of, of um, what they do or, or what their their kind of top of funnel offer is and you, you go digging into that and there's there's elements about it that just don't um, don't hold up be, be it because of the progression of time uh, where something doesn't hold up technically the same way that it did 
or that that people have not been looking at it from like a uh, let's say a performance point of view. If it's um, let's say a, a page that's been sitting in the wild and um, traffic just isn't hitting it the same way, um, it, it it may have not made it back to that organization. That, that there's a particular problem with that as as far as kind of how it ranks as to, in terms of um, performance, um, broken links, like very very particular little things that just n no one's going to notice unless they go back and really dive into it. So. <laughs> You say some of it's you know, performance based and it's kind of just a passage of time. And so it sounds like what you're saying is it's just really about um, understanding that QA isn't just something that happens uh, pre-launch of, of a new initiative. It's this thinking more uh, on an ongoing, be it to, you know, is that, are we thinking like a, a regularly programmed um and identified QA structure where every uh, quarter or year or what have you, there's a um, there's there's an initiative to to uh, check existing assets. I guess how would you um, uh, suggest addressing this challenge? I, I I think there's there's two really good ways of approaching it. Um, if if you've got a, an asset or a campaign that you're actively promoting or, or you're holding it up as your your kind of foundational um, offer for a given client or for your Organization rather, um, having having those scheduled checks certainly doesn't hurt. Um, as we both touched on, because um, expectations around performance, expectations around how a given browser renders a page can differ over time so much. If if you're um, either de depending on that um, asset or campaign to to derive leads from, or if you're pointing uh, uh, a pay campaign or a PPC campaign at it. Um, you, you really do need to expect it to kind of um, keep doing what it's doing over, over time. So um, ha having those scheduled checks certainly doesn't hurt. And are we thinking quarterly? Is this an annual thing? What's an appropriate uh, passage of time for, for for something that's that mission critical? I, I think it would really come down to kind of lead volume and the, and the value of those leads. But um, d depending on how, how much you can kind of tighten up those checks and, and the... Um, amount of time that you're going to invest into a check like that, like I, I ideally like, like once a quarter really, but b beyond that, it, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be a scheduled thing. Uh, there's a lot of value in having kind of um, new eyes on a problem too. Um, it, it's certainly something that comes up in a QA context is that, that like I can um, kind of sit down and test the same rote thing again and again and, and see no problems with it. And you bring a fresh set of eyes to it, uh, be it a, a marketer, cool partners or, or a, a different QA member. And they can sit down, run, run roughly the same test outline and see wildly different things because of the experience they bring to it. I don't imagine most of our listeners have ever been through a QA process themselves or formulated the kinds of tests that you're used to doing. What are you, know, what are you doing when you're testing something for, for quality and performance and accessibility? Like, what are, what are the steps that you're taking and, and what are you looking at and how... You know what sort of methodology are you are you utilizing in order to get um, to bring things up to the level that you're hoping that they'll be? I, I think it's always going to depend on on what it is you're testing it, why you're testing it, and, and who you're testing it for. Um, and then obviously uh, time crunch as well is a, a huge factor. Um, but but ideally, but before you kind of sit down and, and decide how you're going to approach it, it's it's trying to figure out well how much time do I have and and what are the risks associated with this. Um, and, and once you've got a handle on that, you can kind of uh, focus more on, on what, what are the requirements of what this is supposed to do. 
um, be it functional requirements. So if it's, you know, like a form, does it submit properly or, or non-functional requirements like performance um, and, and, and really trying to get um, kind of a, a little bit from uh, each category into a, a given test outline in particular. Um, and then if, if we're talking about something that's the sum of a whole, uh, let's say that it's a marketing campaign, like I touched on before with, with uh, uh, a conversion path, an asset, um, um, analytics tracking around it as well. Um, it, it's trying to take a step back at the end once you've tested all of those individual pieces to make sure that you've kind of got that top level um, final check smoke test of everything uh, before that goes live. And then to um, Carmen's question earlier, uh, to, to possibly reuse a test like that um, once a campaign does go live uh, to, to act as um, uh, documentation, uh, both for uh, what was done in the past and then how to come back and kind of assess that in the future. I think that you know there's a there's an interesting nuanced point that uh, you know people who've worked in development would understand, but not necessarily everybody. Although everybody has experienced you know software bugs or or hardware issues and, and things like that where something doesn't quite work properly. But you know, all software has bugs in it, even the most fully tested you know piece of uh, piece of code is going to have problems when it encounters a certain situation that you didn't necessarily think about um, when it was being developed. So I think there's an interesting, almost, uh, you almost have to let go of this idea of perfection and, uh, and realize that there are categories of testing that need to be done. And they go from capturing, you know, the biggest possible issues that you might see and then knowing that you're not necessarily going to have the time or the budget to fix absolutely everything and some things are going to have to uh have to be left for either another time or you know they're they're less critical to to the uh the functionality or or the performance of the campaign i i i, w I wasn't going to jump into the the minutiae of that but that that really hits it on the head and it, it touches on what i struggled with kind of early in qa um, it is the, the, the notion of kind of priority versus risk versus um, need, uh, be it your own internal needs from something or, or the, the, the client's needs from a, a given kind of solution that you're developing for them. Um, m most test strategies, as, as far as kind of like a, a test theory and, and like test certification programs that exist in the world, what we'll talk about exactly what you mentioned is, is that you, you, you can't get rid of every bug in a piece of software. It's about risk mitigation and, and, and that's it. It's, it's your job as a tester to, to sit down, uh, assess the risk and as, mitigate as much of that risk as possible. Um, th that being said, it's um, it's often hard to kind of, uh, especially when you're, when you're new to role or new to a product or new to a tech stack to um, determine uh, where that risk lies or where the priority is. So it's, it's um, kind of also uh, uh, so important internally in an organization for people to feel empowered to kind of speak up when they see something that doesn't pass that sniff test, be, be it whether or not they're a QA tester, they're a marketer, or, or you know, um, kind of just poking their head in on a, a campaign. Um, put, 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 putting your hand up and saying, well, I, I noticed this, is this right? Um, it's it's that that outside lens um, that, that may have not been shone on a, a given deliverable um, that can really change how it's approached and, and change how, uh, testing that th type of thing or, or si similar things down the road is um, approached as well. I really, <clears throat> you know, I think 
there's uh, something here when we think about, you know, we started this by saying, you know, a lot of marketing organizations would not have established a, a, a culture of quality assurance around um, their digital marketing efforts in the way that we might uh, hope or imagine. Um, and, 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 and then but this, this, it's just a completely different, um, skill set versus it provided the marketer has been around for a while. I'm going to, I've got enough gray hair at, uh, 45 years now or so that I can, you know, I still, you know, used to run a print shop and I remember being, doing print ads as a marketer client side and, and print ads can be perfect. I mean, the ad's not perfect, admittedly. I suppose you can always shoot holes in the creative director or something like that. Or, but, but, but you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're talking about Pantone specs. Like, yeah. You would go do a press check. Is the Pantone spec, it, right. is it hitting right on, the, on this brochure that I'm doing? So perfection was the goal. Like this notion of guys, um, you know what? You just uh, you need to be okay with the fact that this product brochure is just never going to be perfect. There's always <laughs> going to be a bug in it. People are like, "What are you what talking? Are you? Oh my god!" No. Um, so it does seem like we're um, it, it, to to get to where we're encouraging people to go um, is going to require a, a, not just new skills, but maybe a different a mind shift, a different mindset. I think that's a really uh, that's a and oftentimes the, the harder challenge, isn't it? You know? And I, I think that that actually ties back to kind of the um, um, risk mitigation um, aspect of, of what we touched on before. Is is that if if you're kind of throwing out like a a, a one time email to your customers, that that's a very different thing than say like a, a sales calculator tool that you're trying to put in front of them, uh, where that that's going to have so many shifting conditions around it. Um, that's the same ones we touched on before. Um, and then your expectations is a, a business uh, and the numbers that that's going to turn out. So if, if there's elements X, Y, and Z that go into the calculator um, and a given number that comes back, like surely as a business, those are going to change over the years and you kind of have to put time, budget, and effort aside to kind of maintain that asset going forward. It's, it's a very different thing to put that out into the wild than it is to, to throw a print ad out there or throw an email out there and kind of hope for the best. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's bit.ly slash sample abm man that's i mean who among us hasn't sent an email incorrectly and <laughs> hopefully it wasn't to tens of thousands of people but you know uh, like, we we have interviewed uh another Kula team member on this podcast who will remain nameless who was responsible for sending a failed uh oh. christmas uh greeting email way, <laughs> way back in the day and um I, I don't think they've ever uh, fully, fully recovered, recovered from no. that moment. <laughs> yeah, you just you just brought like I just got waves of <laughs> like chills and all of that. Like, I feel like I'm like 24 hours post second dose of uh, Pfizer vaccine yeah. at this point. You know? <laughs> yeah, guys, I got to acknowledge that I'm reasonably easy to get along with until probably something like that happens, <laughs> and then 
probably the first 10 minutes of things that come out of my mouth should just be ignored by people <laughs> because it's probably going to sound a lot more harsh than is intended. So yeah. I think that's part of the scarring that's left yeah. uh, on that one. But that was good fun. Uh, I, I, I had it, totally it, forgotten about that. And and, and that, <laughs> that's that same sense of dread just washed over me all over again. Think, thinking about that. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... You know, yeah. But everybody makes mistakes, yeah, and that's that's why we have QA, exactly. <laughs> so that they're minimized and hopefully, you know, and, and in an all honesty, you know, yes, it can be embarrassing to send an email that's not finished or incorrect or to the wrong people or or whatever, but it's generally not fatal. <laughs> you know, it could be, um, <laughs> but you know, it, it generally isn't. But you know, a uh, a major tool that is being put out there, you know, with a significant budget that is meant to drive leads that is business critical, you know, these are not things that you can, you know, you can't be lackadaisical about about the quality side of those. And, and it would be the same thing as, as calibrating, you know, a a machine or, or whatever on the factory floor. You know, th- those are things that are, are widely understood within manufacturing yeah. organizations. But you know, that, that calibration needs to be revisited and that yeah. quality of output needs to be monitored and, yeah. uh, and, and you know, continuously checked. And I guess that's exactly what uh, Wade's advocating for here. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. Um, and it's it's to, I guess, d- dig into a little more, too. It's it's not it's not just that it's assets coming to us that, that we're coming upon them and going, okay, well, th- th- this was um, like this and, and we need to fix kind of problems X, Y, and Z with it either. Um, it's, it's asking those questions to, before you develop um, something like that um, and making sure that you do have that time put aside. You, you do have these, these kind of questions rattling around in your head as you go to design something like that, that you expect to have that kind of longevity. Um, and I, I, I can think of uh, multiple clients where we've worked with where we talk through a problem like that and, and you really start the wheels um, turning in their head about how they're going to manage something like that um, once it's out in the wild and kind of what, what the upkeep expectations are going to be. I really like the idea of combining this uh, a little bit with the thinking from um, a previous guest on the Cooler Ring, which uh, who took us through this notion of uh, um, uh, marketing products versus marketing projects. Yeah. And... Um, you know, in some way, that, that might be an interesting frame to think about. If you're a marketer and you're uh, undertaking a new initiative, ask yourself, is, is what I'm doing here, is it a project or is it a product? Am I creating something that needs ongoing iteration, improvement, testing, evolution, or am I creating something that is, from the start, we understand it to be a one and done? And I think if, if if marketers ask themselves that question, um, uh, they would probably step back and look at the totality of what they do uh, in uh, 2021, 2022 um, versus what they may have been doing in 2012. And they would say, wow, there's a lot more products here than there used to be. <laughs> like, there's a lot more stuff that I do that's product now. And there's probably a lot less that's just a project. And for everything that's a product, it needs to have a QA plan um, associated with it that is with, whose longevity matches the long expected longevity of the product. Mm. Um, and be prepared to make that investment. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a crazy investment. We don't want to suggest that uh, that it is, but it's a it's a commitment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I think uh, Wayne, am I am I have I have I drank the Kool Aid? Did I? I, I I think that's exactly it. I, I think some of the most interesting conversations I've had with clients since I started Kula Partners are are centered around um, requirement generation um, for those sorts of problems. Is, is that they have um, uh, a need to develop a, a software solution, a, a, a calculator, an asset, um, and then you, you start drilling into those questions. And, and like I said, you, you, you see the wheels turning um, and then b building out the requirements for that, both for the deliverable and the long term, is, is absolutely key. So everyone's expectations are the same going into it. Um, it, it, it would be uh, just terrible to kind of take like a, a any kind of asset like that, throw it out into the world and then have it be a surprise to the organization after the fact that it does require that care and attention um, for, for whatever reason, once it's out there, it's, it is that long-term plan. Like you said, Carmen. And I, I think too, the, there's a, an element of, you know, cause QA technically is, is often done towards the end of um, an engagement before something goes out the door. But, it's actually thought about from the very beginning because the strategy that you're implementing and the requirements that you're gathering and you know the the diagnosis that you're doing on, on the existing platforms and all of that are all helping to inform how you're going to think about how this new thing is created whether it's a you know a a digital campaign or a website or a calculator or a tool or something like that you know the QA doesn't just get added on at the end. Okay, can you just go and check this and make sure it's okay? No, it's like, it's from the very beginning, you're thinking about, okay, what is this thing going to need to do? And and how am I going to ensure that it, it accomplishes those goals? And, you know, it, it really isn't a, uh, a last stop before, uh, before going out the door. It's, you know, it should, the quality process needs to start at the very, at the very start. I, I, completely agree I, I feel like maybe you, you quietly ducked out at lunch and read uh, uh, a test foundations manual because uh, it, 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 it's, so, it's 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 so core to um, kind of test foundational thinking uh, making sure that it's it's not a uh, oh and just just one last check before we go out the door like you said it, it has to be ingrained from the start it has to be ingrained when you're, you're deriving um, requirements um, writing stories about what what the outcomes are supposed to be. Um, and, and making sure that the QA's eyes are on it all the way along. And I, I, I found like even in my experience at Cool Partners that that's where things really started to kind of click for me and shift is that, that I came on early and it was um, panicking about every little thing uh, before it went out the door. And then as, as soon as I could kind of see a project from start to finish and kind of assess, well, here are the customer needs that are, are kind of pushing this project along um, and then kind of get my hooks into where those testing touch points are throughout the project, both on the dev side and the marketing side, that, that things really started to kind of click and I, I could kind of put aside um, the stuff that really didn't matter and, and focus on um, the specifics when it needed it and the, the, the sum of the whole when um, that, that was more important. You brought this up a number of times, this notion of testing the individual pieces versus the whole. It's been a consistent thread through this conversation, I guess. Uh, is that, 
I mean, do you see a lot of problems there that people like they, they even folks who have embraced uh, the notion of QA, they want to they, they want to test what they're putting out there. They want to they want to do this right. Do you, do you see um, that 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 even in those instances, sometimes people can fall into the trap of um, only testing the pieces and not testing the whole or thinking of the whole? And and then curious because part of me, if that's true. You know, the cynic would say, well, I mean, would say, well, if every piece of it's been tested and works, then the whole thing should work. <laughs> um, uh, but you're, I, I get a sense you're telling me that that's wrong. Yeah, no, and I, I, I certainly didn't mean to harp on it at all, but it's, it's. I didn't suggest you were harping on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's bringing focus. It's a consistent theme, way. Sure. I, I, I think it's a few different things. Um, if, if if I'm if I'm looking at it in the, the nicest light, I, I think a lot of it comes from people not wanting to kind of overstep their um, their bounds as far as domain. So when I when I think about marketers that I've worked with, and they they, they go in and, and they'll do their checks of copy and some checks of like links, for instance, in a, a given asset, and then it's then on kind of developers to kind of bring their spin to it or or a designer to bring their spin to it. And they, they may not want to step outside of their kind of uh, um, contribution to, to a given asset. And I, I found that just about in every case, when, when I sit down and, and, and talk with them and talk through kind of, well, how is this going to work with the other pieces? Um, that they were very interested in how those other pieces worked. Uh, I, I had a conversation as recent as last week where, where I was getting into how I was approaching something when it came across my desk. And that was after kind of all the various domains that Kula had touched it um, and, and got kind of a very positive response when I said, okay, well, great. If you, if you want to quickly look at how it is all working together, um, like you said, Carmen, uh, th this is how you do it. And then went away and came back and went, that was very informative. I, I had no idea those worked like that. I, I'd stepped outside of my comfort zone. Um, and it, it, it sounds like a made up story as I'm saying it out loud, but like I, I was surprised to get that feedback back um, that that was something that they were both interested in and that it brought value to kind of what they contributed to that, that particular campaign. Well, I, there's also something, you know, going back to what you said at the beginning of the show, Carmen, around how marketing now generally has a greater spend in information technology than IT does in a lot of organizations. And that usually also means numerous disparate platforms getting used in every campaign. You know, it, it would be rare that there would be less than three different pieces of technology coming together to deliver even the simplest of, uh, you know, marketing deliverables these days, you know, things have to tie back to the CRM, they've got to show up properly in the, you know, in analytics to make sure that we're tracking the right things, the, you know, the web landing page has to function correctly. And then there's the ads that are driving traffic to it. I mean, that that's four. And that's a really basic thing. If we're just talking about like a basic PPC campaign. So, you know, there, this idea that, you know, that you can only really look at your own little piece of it and and be comfortable that the whole thing is working well is just it's just a fallacy because there's there's too many moving parts these days for that to ever be um, sufficient to truly be comfortable that what you're putting out there works for sure um, and and like like I said it's it's not it's not always that that people um, 
don't don't want to. It's 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 really just kind of encouraging people to feel empowered to kind of take that step outside, or or step back and start poking at something from a different perspective. Um, I'll I'll touch on it because you you've jumped on uh, kind of testing foundational concepts a couple of times, but uh, a, a kind of self-explanatory uh, testing concept is the idea of um, exploratory testing is is coming to something um, and just poking at it, time boxing it to um, a set period of time and saying that you're trying to learn X, Y, and Z about something that you're trying to test. And then just write down your findings. And I've, I've worked in um, companies where that was an exercise that was taken on cross-functionally on a, a regular basis. Uh, and the, the amount of information that was derived from doing something like that was very interesting, but then the empowerment that came from it as well. Um, you, you'd see people who, who wouldn't normally speak up about stuff like that, putting their hand up more often and going, well, this, this doesn't smell right to me. What, what is the problem with this? Is this something we can fix? And then you can then take that back and kind of make that, that priority risk assessment and then triage it appropriately. That's really interesting. Uh, I mean, that's a, it's a practical, a very practical approach that I think a team could adopt tomorrow mm -hmm. and be able to get um, uh, multiple contributions to a, a culture of quality um, started in, in the yeah. room. So I think that's and uh, some real value. Yeah. Uh, Wade, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. Thank you for uh, sharing your expertise and experience with our listeners. I, uh, I am certain that they will have enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, it was a, a pleasure talking about my day-to-day. -day. It's uh, a, always interesting for, for me, I guess, me to take a step back from my own job and kind of focus <laughs> at the, uh, the, the, the higher organization level. <laughs> it's a rather meta day. It is, yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure we get some QA on this podcast before it goes out. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.